And it's really good to be with you all here tonight. Um, this semester, we're going to go through the book of Psalms. And so what I'll do is I'll not do the whole book of Psalms, because it's like 150 Psalms, uh, which would be hard to do in a semester. Uh, but what we'll do is we'll kind of pick and wade our way through some kind of big high point ones. But tonight I want to do something a little bit different. I actually want to do a kind of intro to REF, like what is REF and kind of what kind of community do we want um, here kind of sermon. And so I'm going to actually read from a different Old Testament passage, uh, which I know everyone here is super familiar with, 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, I know it's quilted on everyone's house, um, right in your kitchen. Um, but the reason I do this is because I think it's a good way to get to know one another, um, is to talk about what, it, what kind of community we actually have and are we striving towards. Um, because first impressions are important. I can remember when I was uh, in a lot of your shoes, I was a freshman in college. I went to a college where a lot of people from like New Jersey, Chicago, California, South Florida, and I was this kid from like deep South Alabama, uh, like 20 minutes north of Florida, 20 minutes west of Georgia. It's my hometown. And so I'm from like deep, deep South, and I was going up and meeting all these kids who were like from the extreme north and uh, had been to like really high end like prep schools and uh, were just you know, a very different culture from what I was from. And I was meeting these kids for the very first time. And I would put out my hand and I would say my name. And they would shake my hand and they'd be like, Solomon? Salmon. Simon? <laughs> and no one could understand anything that I said because I was from so deep South Alabama. And my southern accent has faded a little bit um, as time has gone by. But, man, it comes out every now and again, like when I ask the question, why? <laughs> like people. Uh, but that, that whole like, kind of experience of meeting people like that really colored uh, a lot of my relationship with some of those folks. I, those people, for years, would ask me if I grew up uh, with like, dirt roads in my hometown or if, if, I'd ever, uh, if I'd ever watched a movie. Like, <laughs> it's like, I'm still a part of the United States. <laughs> like, but... It was a big deal. Um, so tonight I'm going to read from 2 Kings 5, and uh, we're going to talk about introductions. This is God's word. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was also a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothes. So, a treasure. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he's seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elijah's house. And Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, 
I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord as God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Cannot washing them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it's a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant. That's God's word. Let me pray for us. Father, um, there are so many different ways we come to you tonight. Um, some of us are really afraid. Some of us are really excited. Some of us don't know what to feel or what to think. It's just felt like a blur. Um, but Lord, we do pray that however we come, and wherever we come from on the spiritual spectrum of things, Lord, that you would meet us, that you would show us your grace and your truth. You'd show us the power and the beauty of your son Jesus. Lord, that we connect us deeply with one another and with you. And Lord, that we would be transformed by the gospel. And God, that we would know you. We would know ourselves through you. God, that in your light we would see light. And God, that we would be set free. In your name we pray. Amen. So, I want to talk tonight about three things. I want to say who we are, what we do, and what we want to see happen in our lives. So, from the very get-go, I want to talk about who we are. Naaman here is not an Israelite, right? He's from another race, he's from another country, but he's being shown God's mercy. And I just have to pause here at the very get-go and say, especially in light of kind of the events the last few days around Silent Sam and everything like that, that we've got to say that who Naaman is and how he fits into the Bible story. That Naaman is not um, one of the insiders in the story. He's actually an outsider. And that part of why he's here is because the story the Bible is telling is that God is bringing people who are not his people and making them his people. That God is redeeming people from every tribe and tongue and nation and place. And the story of the Bible is just that, that God is redeeming the whole world and people from every tribe from all over the world. And you really can't get away from that, no matter who you are or how you read this, that you can't get away from that. And when people have done that or tried to downplay that or try to act like that's not there, they've read the Bible in spite of itself. They've not been good readers of Scripture. And they haven't lived well in the world because of that. And a lot of harm has been done through it. And so one of our goals here in RUF is to help reflect God's mercy to all the races, to all the cultures, to all the tribes of the world, because God is calling people to himself through Jesus. And so I just have to say at the start that this is not a campus ministry exclusively for white people, that this is a campus ministry for all people. And if you want to help and be a part of that and be a part of God's work in our world and our campus through that, because that's the story he's telling the world, we'd love for you to join us in that. and love for you to help us think about that. I know that we have tons of blind spots. I have tons of blind spots in that. So that's kind of who Naaman is just at the front of this story. Who are we right now, though? Naaman is the commander of this army, right? He's a great man. He's a mighty man of valor. He's extremely accomplished. He's obviously super wealthy. He's got all this gold, silver, Ten pairs of clothes. Uh, <laughs> right? He has everything going for him. This would be like the person who graduated valedictorian from the like best private school in North Carolina. 
they were a Moorhead. Like, they were the president of the fraternity or sorority. Like, their IM team had just beaten people down for the last four years. They're the SBC class president. They're weighing job offers from Deloitte and Goldman, but, you know, they may just go to med school. Who knows? <laughs> we'll have to see how it turns out. Like, this guy has it all, right? Except for one thing. He's got leprosy. He's got this horrible flesh-eating disease that's disfiguring him and will one day kill him. Which means he's a really graphic picture of all of us, of everyone in this room, that globally speaking, we're all very wealthy, we're all very accomplished and successful. I mean, if, if you're here and you're young and you're smart and you're at UNC, like, you are Naaman in some ways. But we're also very infected with sin. That bent part of our heart that says, you know, everyone and everything is essentially here to make me feel powerful and good. It's this primary problem with ourselves that separates us from God, that separates us from ourselves, that separates us from the people around us. Sin says no other king, no other person but me, no other priority but what I think, what I feel, what makes me feel good. I'm not shaming you for that. I'm not scolding you for that. It's me too. Just diagnosing it here. Um, I heard a story a while back of a guy who's an insurance appraiser here in North Carolina. And he was going out to appraise this huge estate. It was so big that when he was driving off the highway, it had its own off-ramp, like from the highway. I mean, it's a giant house. And he gets up, he pulls up to the front of it, and it's, it's huge. It's like 16,000 square feet just from the get-go. And he's like, man, this is an incredible like, mansion. What is this going to go for? Like, How do I even start to appraise this? So he walks up the front of the steps, past the columns, opens this huge door, gets inside, and there's nothing in there. I don't mean like no furniture. I mean no drywall. Like no pipes, no plumbing, no electrical. The stones in the fireplace have been ripped out. All it is is just bare studs. And it's really weird and kind of creepy. They have this beautiful outside house and this like nothing inside house, right? So he goes back to the office and he asks his boss, he's like, what's the deal with that really weird house out there? And his boss tells him, you know, the background of this thing is that there was this NASCAR driver a few years ago that had this huge contract, but then he got addicted to meth. And so he stripped the inside of the house out to feed his addiction. But because he needed to keep up appearances, he left the outside looking awesome. And that's a graphic picture of Naaman of you, of me. Like, we're decorated on the outside, but inside we, we feel empty. Or sometimes we feel rotten or gutted, right? What does this mean about who RUF is then? I want to say that, to begin with, we're a community that's not afraid to admit that we're sick. We're a community that's not afraid to admit that we're sick or that we're broken or we're not finished. That life should be lived with some struggle. It shouldn't be easy to be here, right? I mean, some of y'all feel that, but you also feel this pressure of, but yeah, I've got to make it look easy. Here in RUF, you don't have to do that. Because RUF is not a Christian club. It's not a youth group, like 2.0. Like, not everyone here is a Christian or cares about Christ yet. Some people are here to check out Jesus. Some people are bored or just kind of want to make friends. Some people are here because they want to grow in their faith. Some people are here because they want to find rest for their souls. But what unites us is not our faith in Jesus. 
What unites us together is our need for Jesus. Because this is a place for anyone on the spiritual spectrum, right? Not everybody has that faith. Look, this is a place where you don't have to pretend to be buttoned up. This is a place where you don't have to pretend to be put together when you know deep down you're not. That we want this to be a safe place for you to have doubts, for you to have baggage, for you to have deep hurts, for you to have addiction. Our goal on campus is not to be like the biggest campus ministry that's kind of aggressively recruiting people into its ranks and just kind of filling people out. Our goal is to be the healthiest campus ministry. Our goal is actually to be the healthiest community on UNC's campus. And if you're sick, like we believe that we all are, then I think the place to start is to admit that, for real health, the place to start to admit anyway, is to say that we need healing, that we really need healing. And just a side note on that, you know, I think that's the best place for friendships too. And when you think about it, the best friendships are the ones where, you know, your friends really actually know you and know how weird you are and how quirky you are and how lame you are sometimes. And like they laugh with you and sometimes laugh at you. And like, it's okay, right? Like those are the best kinds of friendships because that's the place where you can let your guard down and actually be known. That's the place where you have the most fun. And so I want to say that this is a place where we love to hang out and enjoy each other and actually know each other and have fun, that we're a community of people that joyfully need Jesus together. All right, so second point, what do we do then? What do we do? Look here at Naaman's anger over, over what the prophet prescribes to him. Like he, it says he goes into a rage. He goes into a rage. Why is that? Why does Naaman get so mad about that? I think it's because the solution is just like too ordinary. It's not special. It's not difficult. Like here at RUF, we believe that real healing and real transformation happens in really ordinary ways in ordinary simple places. That Naaman, like a lot of us, thinks that transformation and healing should happen in these kind of big showy places. You know, I've been at UNC for going on six years now, which is pretty incredible. Uh, but one of the things I've noticed is that we tend to think that the moments where you really change are like these big, splashy, intense kind of exclamation point moments, right? That we all kind of want these really intense emotional experiences in worship. We want a Hollywood romance. We want to run like 10 marathons by the time we graduate. We want to eat anything we want to eat. We want to always be in shape, though. We want to be incredibly fun and incredibly chill. But we also want to be incredibly disciplined and incredibly hardworking. We want to start a nonprofit, fix a debt crisis in a third world country, graduate, and make six figures, right? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Because we think that transformation... It's not about the ordinary, but about the extraordinary. Like, we think that life is not about the thought in the sentence, but the exclamation point at the end of that sentence. But you know what happens when you get that, right? That the exclamation comes and goes, and there's like this letdown afterwards. Like, yeah, you got into UNC! And then you take all your stuff and you move into a shoebox, right? (laughs) Or you finally get into that sorority or fraternity that you wanted to get into, and then by the time you're a junior or a senior... The date parties and the formals are just kind of like, eh, I've been to these before. But real transformation actually happens in really ordinary ways. We want to be a community of people that attempts to heal and love the broken places in this campus in really normal ways. By being involved in our community, by doing things like the Greek system, by doing things like the uh, Student Government Association, by playing intramurals, by being RAs. 
We want to remember one another's names. I mean, especially if you're new here, <laughs> for someone to come up to you and approach you and actually remember your name is a huge thing, isn't it? We want to do Bible studies that are sometimes exciting but are always open and kind. We do shared meals with people over and over and over again because we actually want to know one another. Oh, but Simon, that's too ordinary. Too ordinary. Look, if God didn't use ordinary things to transform us, no one would ever get transformed. God enjoys the ordinary. He made the ordinary. And so he uses it all the time to heal sick people like us. But also, look here. Naaman is upset because this is just too easy, right? You know what the Hebrew here uh, means when it says he asked you to do no great thing? It means he asked you to do no great thing. Like, this is not a big deal, right? It's too easy to wash. The Jordan River isn't even a, bigger, a big river. We've got bigger rivers where I'm from. North Carolinians, y'all, you would call the Jordan River a creek. You wouldn't even give it the name river. Because he thinks that healing and transformation is done by doing something really big. Name expected that the way that you get healed is, you know, you kill a lion, you bring back its head, you've got to go on a quest, you've got to find a magic ring, you kill Voldemort, and then you get into med school, right? <laughs> but washing a creek, come on, give me a break. That's too easy. And that's the way a lot of us think about Christianity too. You know, you've got to do some stuff. You've got to sign up for some stuff. You've got to take the campus by storm. You've got to be really, really radical and really sold out. And when you worship, you've got to feel it really deep down inside of you all the time. And you've got to read the Bible every day. And you've got to journal. And you've got to stop cussing and drinking and sleeping around. And if you do all that stuff, then maybe God will answer your prayers. Because all of us want to relate to God based on our merit. We do something great for God. But the reality is, is that Christianity is not about all the great things you can do for God. Christianity is about all the great things God has done for you in Jesus. We want to put merit coins in the God box and get out of a really ex- intense experience of transformation. It's just too easy to think that you could relate to God based on His unconditional love, isn't it? It can't be so easy that I would just come to Him and ask Him to love me and then He would do that. It's too ordinary. That's not how anybody else works. I mean, everybody else in your life works on merit. How you got into UNC was you got a killer GPA, and you played an instrument, and you did a cool service project, and you were an athlete. How you got a job is by nailing a job interview, and you have a ton of experience. Every other religion says, you've got to stop doing bad stuff, start doing good stuff, and hope that in the end, you balance the scales. Secular culture says, you've got to recycle, you can't smoke, you can't be a bigot, you got to be thin, you never eat at McDonald's, ideally you're going to drive a Prius, at least get 32 miles to the gallon on the highway, right? We want to relate to God based on our merit. There's this uh, great uh, YouTube video on, uh, online, and it's Jimmy Kimmel Halloween Pranks, which is always classic, right? Jimmy Kimmel is hilarious. Uh, and it's called Last Night While You're Sleeping. And the premise of the whole thing is that parents go into their kid's room the day after Halloween and they wake the kid up and they say, Hey, Mr. Man. Hey, little lady. Hey, uh, bad news. While you were asleep last night, I ate all your Halloween candy. So sorry. And then the kid like has a meltdown and loses their mind and... It's just furious, and it's hilarious to watch, especially as a parent. Uh, (laughs) 
And one of the best ones is actually the parents come in, they shake the kid awake, they tell him the news, and he goes crazy and just starts yelling, that's not fair. That's not fair. I'm the one that dressed up in the costume. I'm the one that walked around for two hours in our neighborhood. That's not fair to eat all my candy. And I mean, I'll give him... Give it to him. He's got a point. Like, that's not fair. <laughs> that's also why it's so funny. <laughs> but what's hard about the gospel, what's hard about Christianity, is that it's, it's not fair. Like, this is why some of us are going to study and study and get a C on that quiz, and you're going to look over your classmate who got an A, and you know they only studied for like six seconds, and you're going to say to yourself, that's not fair. You're going to say, I'm working hard. I'm making all the right decisions here. And life's not fair. Like, my family's falling apart. And life's not fair. Like, she's going out and she's partying and I'm doing everything right. And she's getting the good grades. And her family's fine and that's not fair. And we all deep down think that we need to be related to on the basis of our merit. But the reality is that God looks at us and says, I just don't relate to people like that. I don't relate to you based on your merit. I relate to you on the basis of grace. Because everybody is dirty. Everybody's a mess. If you could really see the standard of merit that is way, way, way up here, you would give up on yourself. Which, because everybody's a mess and everybody's dirty, it means that anybody can wash. Anybody can be clean. Anybody can approach God and say, just deal with me on the basis of grace and not on merit. That all you need to know is that you're dirty. And that God makes dirty people clean all the time. Through Jesus. Look, if you know that, then that's deeply good news. Because the good news of the gospel is that God doesn't relate to us on the basis of what you've done. He actually takes our mess and he puts it on Jesus and he crushes him in our place. And then he takes Jesus' life and as we approach him on faith, he puts it on us. And he puts it on you. He says, I'm therefore not going to relate to you based on what you've done but I'm going to write to you based on what Jesus has done in your place. This is why we talk about the gospel in REF all the time. It's what I preach about. It's what we sing about. It's what we pray would happen to one another's lives. Because God's grace for dirty, messed up people whose accomplishments, as good as they are, aren't going to get us anywhere with God, is really all we've got to give to one another. Look, I don't know if we've got any tea drinkers in the room, but what we want is we want for the gospel to be like a bag of tea in our community where you put it in the water of RUF and it flavors and colors everything that we do. That's what we do and talk about grace a lot. So we talk about what God has done for us a lot and not all the things we can do for God because we need that. And as soon as we leave these, go out these doors and leave this place, we forget about it. And we have to talk about it, remind ourselves of it, and sing about it. So what do we do? What do we want in your life and mine? Look, Naaman here goes in the water and he's instantly healed. And his relationship with God changes immediately. He would have been a polytheist, someone who worshipped lots of gods. Now his whole reality is completely restructured. He's giving away his wealth to these people. Which means this for you. We want more for you than an emotional experience. You can have emotional experience with anything. I've had emotional experiences with brisket and rocket man. It's amazing. We want something more for you than that. We want for your whole approach to reality to change. 
when you connect with God and His grace. I want your approach to food, to exercise, to alcohol, to dating, to work, to rest, to stress, to activism, to your future, to your past. I want that to change because of God's grace in your life. Every way that you deal with yourself and the reality around you should be shaped by what God has done for you. Naaman brought all his wealth to buy his healing, and he got it for free. And when he does, what does he do with it? I mean, he gives it away. His relationship to people changes. Look, when this happens for us, we can stop relating to people based on what they could do for us. We don't have to live in networks. We can actually have friendships. We want RUF to be great at certain things. We want to be great at reaching out to people. We want to be great at loving one another. We want to be great at loving God. We want RUF to be great at creating a Jesus-centered community. But we want those things not to make RUF great. We want those things not even to make UNC great. Though that would happen if those things were to happen. We want that because we want to make God's kingdom great. And we want people to see how great God is. That we don't exist for ourselves. We exist to heal hurting people. We exist to lead lost people out of darkness into the light. We exist to bless this place and to give God all the glory in that. And so that's our hope for you. That's our prayer for you. That's our offer to you tonight. It's to enter that community and be a part of that. God's grace, God's work in your life, taking dirty people and making us clean and living together and learning how to do that as people are trying to figure out what it means to be adults. So I want to end with this. Like I said at the start of uh, the sermon, I'm from Alabama, and there's some weird things that come with that. And one of those things is that growing up, uh, my family had some hunting land, and at some point along the way, beavers got on this hunting land, and they started to build these beaver dams and to block up the water that went through it. And so this place was already a little bit swampy, became swampier and swampier and swampier, and the wildlife that was living there just kind of like fled. And so what my dad did was, in a pre-9-11 world, that you could go, living in Alabama, you could go and buy dynamite with just a driver's license and no prior convictions. And so that's what he did. And one Saturday, we go out to these beaver dams, and we take a post hole digger in the swamp, and we dig some holes, we duct tape the dynamite together, we drop them into the holes, uh, we attach a fuse and we bury the dynamite in the dams and we walk away and we light the fuse and we wait one minute, two minutes, and then boom, this huge explosion. And there's this mushroom cloud of like dirt and wood and water and mud and you know probably a little bit of beaver that goes up into the air. And then just like a few seconds later, like this light drizzle of wood and water and mud and probably a little bit of beaver (laughs) comes raining down on us. And as a 12-year-old kid in Alabama, that was as good as it got. It was amazing. (laughs) But one of the incredible things about it was that this dynamite blew out those dams and now clean water could flow through that area. And life-giving water could go through that. And wildlife could return. And it totally transformed the whole place. And our hope for you is that God's grace would enter into your heart and just totally blow you up and change the way that you do life. Not in a way that would destroy you, but in a way that would make you new. In a way that would let water, clean, life-giving water from God Himself flow through your heart and your life into the people around you and into this place.
and that we would do that together. So that's our offer to you tonight. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we pray um, that you would work in our lives in such a way that we would know and be transformed by your gospel. God, I pray especially for those of us tonight who will probably never come back to RUF. Um, but Lord, that we pray that you would bless them. Lord, that you would give them a community centered on you. Lord, that they would grow in love and faith and truth. And Lord, that you would be with them and walk with them wherever they go in life. And Lord, we pray for those who do decide to stay or do decide to continue to check us out. God, that you would bless them as well. And that you'd bless them with a rich experience of community, of deep friendships, of relationships where they're known and loved, where they're transformed through ordinary, everyday things, but they're transformed in extraordinary ways. Lord, because you're an extraordinary God who loves lavishly and deeply and pours your love into people's hearts all the time. We ask all these things in the good name of your son, Jesus. Amen.